If you think you're not afraid of the dark. If you think you have a strong stomach. If you feel nothing can shock you. If you believe you've seen everything. If you say you don't scare easily. What are they? Mike Rips, we back in here, the Ranchless, transmitting from the loft in Brooklyn, which is looking quite fucking lofty, loftish, it's lofty, just like my fucking dreams, in here with fucking candles lit, because the little light I usually use is broken, so this shit looks, uh, hear me fiddle with paper so it doesn't get set on fire and I burn the goddamn apartment and then house down, <coughs> which I don't want to do, because already today's been a fucking rough day. Uh, I don't know how y'all are feeling. I hope you're doing great this week. Today was fucking crazy. As it can be when you have my profession as a driver in uh, the fucking piece of shit New York City. Sometimes, you know, if I let, if I let it get the best of me, I can go uh, almost Travis Bickle. And then who, who knows what the fuck's gonna happen. I'll shave a mohawk and end up at, uh, well, like I said, it is uh, the mayor election time. So, who knows? Sipping on that PBR. I was actually going to do this shit without any alcohol and just do it sober, but some things have held me up. I'm recording this a lot later than I usually do on a Thursday night, but I'm here and I'm sparked up, even though I had a rough day. It's not as rough as the day that the guy in the fucking bodega earlier was having, I think. He was there trying to hustle the dude I know in there that runs the place and I you know, buy certain products from here and there. This fucking guy was in there with a shitty bootleg watch that they were saying it was a citizen watch. It was fake as shit, which I don't even know a citizen is. I've never even heard of it. So he's in there trying to hustle my guy. That's the dude that, you know, is the, he owns it or runs it or whatever. His dude's like, oh, I need $30 at least for it. I need 30 And the guy's like, I'll give you 20 He's like, I need 30 at least. And then he's like, I'll give you 15 And the guy's sitting there bugging. So, And he was like kind of twitching a little bit and I saw some weird shit on his arm. So he, it looks like he's going through a, despite my issues, uh, I think that guy was having a more rough day than me. But, you know, what can you do? Ironically, I saw a homeless gentleman today who I've seen many times to say hi to him here and there. I see him. He's in Harlem. It's at, like, I don't want to give his exact location because that's fucked up for what I'm about to reveal. But, uh, yeah, said what up to this guy. This guy, I think, was having a better day than that stupid fuck at the bodega because this cat, he uh, is a homeless guy and he lives under a bridge... It's somewhere uptown, that's as much as I'll say. It was under a little one of those bridges you walk on. He's got some boxes, he's got a decent setup for what his situation is, but the astonishing thing that I'm fascinated by about this guy, he has a fucking porta potty next to his little setup, and there's no construction there. Like, 
there has been randomly, but this dude's just straight living next to a porta potty. He has his own porta potty. That's like the fucking Taj Mahal. That's fucking Trump Tower. That's fucking the Bellagio of uh, New York City homeless life, I would say. Having one of those little nasty ass porta potties. I don't know if they clean it. That 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 could be a problem. But Sometimes I see dudes work in there, so maybe they just leave it there and let them rock out. I don't know. They don't lock it. I've seen it because I've considered using it, and then, you know, I don't know. I, I, I didn't want to take that leap. I didn't want to do that fucking leap of faith, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, interesting. My thing was, like, how the fuck did he get it over there? Like, unless those guys dropped it there and he's just using it? That's, uh, one thought that entered, or if he brought because it's all beat up and raggedy and shit. No, pardon the pun, no pun intended. It's all fucked up, and it's like, so maybe these guys didn't bring it there. I don't know. It looks terrible. And maybe they just let him use it, or he lets his friends use it. I don't know. It's out of control, though, and it's quite fascinating, in my opinion. There could be a documentary alone about the bum who somehow had his own porta potty It's like having a fucking private bathroom at your job, or the teacher's bathroom back in uh, elementary, or whatever. But honestly, God only knows what the fuck was going on in the teacher's bathroom. I gotta say, uh couple things here. First of all, rest in peace, Len Wein, one of my favorite comic book writers of all time, most famously known for creating Wolverine and Swamp Thing, and his stories are great. I went back, and I've read some of his shit back in the day. Not back in the day, like in the last few years, I just knew of Len Wein and knew what he created and what he did, and uh, he's a fucking brilliant genius. Uh... They got him here. I think Claremont shouted him out. I'm looking at that classic X-Men cover. I used to actually have a huge poster of this fucking thing. The giant size. X-Men number one. You know, where they got Wolverine up there in the yellow outfit. He created Wolverine and Swamp Thing. He's a fucking legend. I knew he was older, and it was funny because I looked him up recently. For some reason, I thought he created Lobo, but I was incorrect about that. And Rich and I were bugging, talking about it. And I was telling about Len Wein, but yo, rest in peace, Len Wein, at age 69. Also this week, we lost uh, one of my favorite actors, Frank Vincent. Y'all know him as uh, in Goodfellas, go get your fucking shine box. As well as uh, Phil Leotardo on fucking The Sopranos. Um, excellent actor. He also did a shitload of just weird roles in other gangster movies in New York, East Coast movies, and really shitty, like, B-movie gangster movies that are straight to fucking Netflix or uh, whatever, Amazon Prime nowadays, you know? But uh, rest in peace to both those cats. Frank Vincent leaves us a lifetime of memories. Especially the Goodfellas one, the Get Your Fucking Shine box. That That's obviously what he's going to go down for. The Soprano shit, too. Oh, he dies at 80? Wow, I thought he was 78. 78, this is bizarre. Los Angeles Times eight hours ago saying he dies at 80. But Rolling Stone saying he died at 80, at 78 yesterday. And fucking Variety saying 78 yesterday, so... But CNN saying 80. I guess they, they must have early fucked up his age. But yeah, I believe he's from Rhode Island, and his name's Frank Vincent, but I think his last name is like Vincenzo or some shit like that. Great actor. A lot of fucking cool roles and shit like that. Uh, Speaking of comic books and acting and movie stars and shit like that, uh, on a much lighter note, did y'all check out that fucking David Harbour uh, Hellboy that's just popped up online the picture? It looks pretty fucking insane. Like, uh, I remember when I first saw... 
the original when Ron Perlman was doing it. I saw in the back of a comic book that I was reading in actually a bookstore in a mall when I used to work in a mall, <clears throat> which is crazy. And I remember looking at the uh, Hellboy ad on the back of the magazine, on the back of the comic book, and fucking, uh, I saw that Ron Perlman was playing him, and I saw what he looked like, and I was like, that was, that's pretty fucking dope. But the way they got this dude looking, it looked straight up like the comic book. And Mike Mignola shared it saying, holy crap, first look. Mignola, again, one of my biggest influences. Great writer and artist together. You don't see that very often. He's one of them. Uh, some people don't fuck with his art, surprisingly enough. I love it. It's very gothic. It definitely, there's so much Lovecraft in there. Um, he's fucking dope, and David Harbour's dope. We're all waiting on Stranger Things Part 2. is coming next month. We're about to peep that shit, you know, and we'll be bugging out. We'll be wilding. We'll be feeling it, you know? That's how we fucking get down. Mike rips the ranchless. Once more, I gotta say something I always forget to say. This shit is on iTunes now. If you're listening to it, please tell everybody you know that might fuck with something this stupid and ridiculous. Because what, what, I got like two listeners now, what, I got three maybe? Hopefully aliens are somehow getting this transmitted to their fucking spaceship. But they're definitely attacking and destroying the whole planet if they hear this bullshit. I'll tell you that right now. Fucking Independence Day, War of the Worlds, ain't got shit on these motherfuckers listening to Mike Rips the Ranchless. You know, so on that note, if you uh, it's on iTunes and it's on SoundCloud, uh, the iTunes shit, if you guys could subscribe, rate, and review, give me a fucking bad review. I don't give a shit. It wouldn't be the first time. It would not be the first time. So, you know, as I was chilling this week, I was doing my usual bullshit, fucking around at the house, doing nothing on the weekend. This weekend, I didn't do much. Brenda and I were just chilling. I did the show on Thursday, so I was a little fucked up, you know, for the rest of the weekend. I wanted to just chill. Um, but I was watching MTV Classic, as I always do, and I forget what it was. I think it might have been 90s Nation, one of those shows, they were playing 90s videos, and they played that fucking B-Rock the Biz, my baby dad, my, my, my baby dad, that fucking crazy shit from 1999. The album is titled Pork and Beans and Weens, or Wines, I don't even fucking know. Uh, but this video is hilarious. But did anybody ever notice, like, I think fucking Chris Broussard is in this video, dude. Like, he's up in there. Fucking Google it or YouTube, and it comes right up. This motherfucker's in there with the fucking, whatever, kind of red hair, light as a motherfucker. Uh, it's Broussard, though. I think it's literally him. Hold on. Let me, I gotta fucking peep this fucking shit. Hold on. Oh, good. It's on mute already. Yeah, let me just check this out again. You guys gotta, you guys gotta peep this motherfucker. Sorry, I know you can't see it, but, uh, this motherfucker right here. It's, it's fucking Chris Broussard. It is. I, I think it's him. It looks exactly fucking like him, bro. But, you know, the baby daddy shit is hilarious. It's a funny song. It's great. It's a fucking throwback to a simpler time, not 2017, where I'm I'm fucking proud to be dumb right now in 2017 because all I do is watch these talking heads or listen to these talking heads either on the radio or podcast, YouTube, still cable news or whatever, uh, sports, whatever. Everybody has the answer for fucking everything and never wants to pretend they're wrong or never pretend they're wrong. That's all they would do. They would never not pretend they're right. You know what I'm saying? That's all I see all the time in any kind of mainstream outlet. They just, and they're just so sure of themselves. And it's like, sometimes I know what they're saying is total bullshit, but they're so sure of it. And I'm so baffled by it. I just don't know what to make of it. And it's fucking Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, 
ESPN. They're one of the worst, and I'll get to that shortly. I don't know what's going on. All the mainstream radio stations in uh, this city, I don't know. Uh, I love KCRW in LA. I don't know what what that is. It's like an independent crowd. I don't know if it's a college station because we have WFUV here, uh, Fordham Station, which is I don't know. It's for Fordham, but it's also crowd college. I don't know member funded. That's what they call it. Fuck it. I don't even know, dude. The the other thing that's been in the news that's been on my nerves and has been getting to me is uh, fucking. Our friend who lost the election this year, Hillary Clinton, with her uh, new book tour for her book titled What Happened, more like Who Gives a Fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and she's all over the place doing all kinds of interviews. And uh, I really like her husband a lot, Bill. I think for me during the time, that sounds such, such a bitch. But for me, during that time period of Clinton being president, it was good, in my opinion. But I was so young, I really couldn't judge it. I, and also, there's all these conspiracy theories and beyond in reality of uh, you know what they lacked in led to things like 9-11, as well as the whole Clinton conspiracy of how many people they've killed or committed suicide, which I don't give a fuck about any of it. I, I really don't believe much in these conspiracies. I think it's so far-fetched. I do believe in the Kennedy conspiracy and maybe something weird at Roswell. Those would be the only two. I don't know. And I don't even, that's far fetched to begin with. But fucking Hillary's all over the place uh, with the fucking bullshit talking. And it's just like, ugh. Like, the Democrat Party's not doing themselves any favors having her come out and say all this bullshit. Like, they should just be, not that they should just say go away because you have the right to say whatever you want. And if you can make money, get it. Fuck it. Who gives you shit? But, you know. The things she's saying are just annoying and stupid. I mean, I probably sound fucking annoying and stupid right now, so I should fucking call up Hillary. Yo, let's do a tour, Highwayman, and fucking who gives a fuck what happened, whatever it's called. You know, but she can say whatever she wants, uh, unlike apparently what we're seeing with Jamel Hill from ESPN, where, uh, you know, now we have the White House going after her, which I, I didn't, her statements are just, she's a perfect example of somebody just going, oh, Trump's a white supremacist, which I, I think definitely, I wouldn't say he's a white supremacist, I would say he's winking, he, he got voted in, he, he didn't, he didn't like, you know, say fuck that from the beginning, that's a fucking fact, that's at the most base level, so, but white supremacist is kind of far-fetched, I keep thinking as you use these things over and over again, racist, uh, fucking white supremacist, like it's, it's like people are just not going to take it seriously when it really is. And there's a lot. I think a lot of motherfuckers that voted and supported the president are that. And you clearly saw that in Charlottesville. It would be retarded not to admit that or just dumb or just, you know, you don't want to admit everything. But what we see now is uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders at the podium when someone asked him about the Jamel Hill comments that were on Twitter. She's like, oh, they should fire her. They should fire her. So now that's starting to infringe on some kind of First Amendment. She's just, I understand everyone on the right is going to go fucking ballistic. But, oh, she didn't put in a law. But still, coming from the White House, it's starting to sound like maybe you don't like the freedom of speech, which for the past year or so, the right wants to push this idea hard that they're winning the free speech battle or the libertarians at least. You know what I'm saying? So, um, regardless, Jamel can say whatever she wants to say. I think a lot of times, I used to be, again, I think I've said this on here before, I used to be a very big fan of her. I don't know what happened in the past four or five years. Like, she just seems to have jumped the shark a little bit, but I think everybody on that station has. Because it's like, I like when they talk about the social shit. I like when they talk about social issues, I do. But 
it might be going to a point where it's a little too much of that. I do, I thought it should be well, it's 60-40, I don't know, 70-30, but now it's like half and half maybe. Or maybe they'd be like, no, it is if you break it down. Whatever, I don't give a shit. But it's just like I listen to a shitload of political commentary from the left and right and libertarian and whatever, communist, socialist, anything. So fucking uh, like... I uh, would, if I want to hear that shit, I'm going to listen to those people. And as you listen to those motherfuckers that are talking the political shit a lot, and then you go back and listen to everybody else trying to address it, they just, they're not as informed. And it's like, I'd rather hear you talk about, if it's music people, music. But talk about that shit a little bit, because of course we all have to, and it's a part of the conversation always. I'm talking about it right now. But don't let it dominate what you're doing, you know? Don't let it get in the way. So, I don't know. I still I still have love for Jamel Hill. I, I think the things are a little, you know, a little over the top. That's it. But, you know, what are you going to do? If she feels that way, I can't tell her what to think or feel. And the White House certainly shouldn't be. Fuck, I just got another spider bite or a fucking uh, mosquito. Hopefully it's not Zika. How about the fucking Cleveland Indians with the 21 wins? They broke the uh, record from, uh, who was it, Billy Bean? It was the fucking Oakland A's in, the, what was it, 2000, 2001? You saw the movie Moneyball where Brad Pitt is playing fucking Billy Bean. I think that's what it was. Again, one thing about this podcast, I'm just going off the top, running through, should I have a couple notes written down, but don't quote me on anything on here. If I fuck something up, we could go back and talk about it, and I'll tell you why, or if I just don't know what I'm talking about, which could be the case. I try to be pretty on point here, but uh, regardless, 21 wins, they're playing the fucking uh, Kansas City Royals right now, it's tied in the sixth. I, I'm like not even watching the Mets anymore. I mean, this is the coolest thing going on, which is weird because wasn't the last few World Series it was like, wasn't it the Royals versus the Giants? The Giants beat the Royals and the Royals came back and beat the Mets. And then after that, it was the Cubs and the Indians and the fucking Cubs beat the Indians. So now this year, if the Indians get to the World Series, it would be like, you know, four years of that, which was rare. But the baseball playoffs are the hardest shit in all sports. Well, football usually will always take that, but the baseball playoffs are great because it's pretty unpredictable a lot of times. But we're going to have fun with this. 21 wins. It's still like a month away, though. It's September 14th right now. Fucking, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with these guys. We'll see. they got to stay hot, which is hard. Someone's going to go into the playoffs and get hot in the National League and in the American League. Hopefully Cleveland can keep it up. We've seen this a million times where teams mad hot. But I think it happened with the Cubs last year, and they held on to it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what's good. I'm watching this bullshit right now. It's to the back of me. I got the fucking little, the Kindle fucking Spectrum, whatever, Time Warner app on right now, fucking with it. Last, uh, who knows, I was going to go through the standings, but let's just move on. Let's fucking party on. We got, uh, last weekend on that Showbox card, we had, uh, this dude, Caleb Plant. Again, I was so enthusiastic, I had seen him fight a few times just going back and watching tape. Uh, one of my favorite prospects, I say one of now, because, uh, you know, it was a good, it was good, he won, and they say, like, right here, this fucking thing from boxing scene says Caleb Plant picks apart Andrew Hernandez, wins wide decision, he won by a lot, but, uh, I agreed with Floyd, I gave him a C, because it seemed, like the way he was winning early, I thought he was gonna knock him out by the 6th or the 8th, and it was a 10-round fight, it went all 10, I was slightly disappointed in that. So, I mean, we'll see what happens in the next thing. He better really uh, bring it in his next shit. 160. I don't know why I thought he was 168. He always goes in the ring at that, but that makes sense. So, I don't, I don't fucking know. But uh, the Caleb Plant fight was cool. There was another big fight that night where the dude 
for the money team became the youngest champion right now. He's 20 years old. Benavenides, I think his name is. I haven't watched that fight yet. I'm going to go back. I'm going to fuck with that tonight, actually, after I'm done doing this. I keep dishing on in the office, the fucking uh, Royals versus the Indians. And then I'll watch that shit on the big screen. Also, the next night, we had fucking uh, the HBO card, which was quite shocking in a lot of ways. <clears throat> the main event was Chocolatito versus Serengise. Sizrat Serengise. I think I, 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 did I even bring this up last week? I think I did. It was wild, dude. But the uh, undercard had this dude, Carlos Cuadras versus uh, Juan Francisco Estrada. That was a good fight, and it went 12, and Estrada won by the skin of his teeth. It was a good fight, and I enjoyed that one. That was crazy. But the next thing that I really liked in that was uh, this cat. He's from Japan. And I think this is the second or third time I've seen him fight. He was always on the undercard on HBO, I believe. Probably on, like, the G. Anytime G fought or whenever Chocolatito fought because he's in the same shit. The the light, whatever, super flyweight, light flyweight is what he used to be, I believe. He's fucking awesome, this guy. He brings it. He's got the hook. He fucking had the body shot the whole time on this dude. I believe his name is Nieves. Yeah. He was going in. He was bodying that shit. And I remember last time he fought, he was crazy. From Japan. I think he's on the ring, uh, pound for pound. He's like number nine or ten. So, I'm very excited to see him in the future. But the uh, main event, the main card, was the Chocolatito, the rematch, which this dude, Serengise, Sarasat Serengise, he fucking uh, beat Chocolatito. Chocolatito had blood all over his face, bleeding from his forehead and everything. But uh, still, uh, it went 12, and it was a decision by, again, the skin of his teeth. A lot of people thought Chocolatito won, but this dude came back this time. And I don't even know. Right? It looked a little crazy, Chocolatito walking into the ring. He looked not as confident as I've always seen him bouncing and swinging and shit like that. He looked a little nervous going in there. And this dude looked like a fucking monster. He looked like a gargoyle going in that bitch. And uh, what did he stop him in? What was it? Four rounds? Yeah, I think it was four rounds. He, st- he fucking knocked him out. Stop him. What am I talking about? He knocked him out brutally. This dude saw... Oh, my God. Sriscat Soringise. He's fucking dope. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Hopefully, they're going to make that... He'll probably fight that Estrada dude that beat Carlos Quadras. Again, this is the, like, 115, 115-pound weight class. He'll probably fight Estrada, and he'll hopefully he'll beat him. And then you can see that un, the Japanese dude I was just talking about. On this motherfucker. But everyone's gas in the boxing world about the Triple G Canelo this weekend. I believe Triple G is still favored in Vegas. It's going to be a blast. Uh, you know, I'm in the doghouse with my lovely wife, Brenda, alone to this fight. We, we talked about it like two and a half years ago already. Like, oh, the, our house is going to be split because I'm going to go with Triple G on this one. And uh, I love Canelo too, but I think G is, is going to be TKO in 10 rounds. I don't know. I'm waiting her to. I'm waiting for her to kick the door in and fucking hit me with a pan right now. And I, I hear her listening. I think I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm sucking my own cock too hard. I'm fucking scaramooching myself. Don't you guys miss the mooch? I know you do. So this weekend is the big fight, the huge fight. It's gonna be fun regardless. Uh, I'm not gonna get too crazy as I did with the McGregor and the Mayweather, where I was like ripping my shirt off, screaming, throwing shit, shit faced. That's not going to happen this time because I want to score this on a card. But it'll be fun. Again, I think it's going to be uh, Triple G, TKO in the 10th round. Let's say that. 
So this week I uh, did a few things. I finished a lot of shit, and usually I don't do this, but I'm going to do three things this week. I'm going to start with, I finished this Spider-Man Marvel Essential Web of Spider-Man Volume 2, which was great. It had a lot of shit. It's where he first marries Mary Jane. That's the storyline of the whole, the backdrop kind of. He goes to Europe. He's fighting Ned Leeds or whatever. I think it's Ned Leeds, the Hobgoblin, uh, Betty Brant's husband. That's in there, that kind of storyline. But the thing that really stuck out to me, and then I actually looked it up because I was bugging, was the uh, last six issues were the Craven's Last Hunt storyline, which is widely critically acclaimed. A-, a lot of people have it scored, like for Spider Man. It's in the top five always of Spider Man stories of all time. I'd imagine Venom, Carnage, those ones got to be way up there. I'd put those a little before, but this shit was so hard. And it goes through, I'm not going to look it up and tell you the issues, but it goes between Amazing Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, and Spectacular Spider-Man, I believe, back in 1987. And it's fascinating. And uh, the synopsis roughly is uh, Craven wants to take on the personality of Spider-Man after defeating him so that he can uh, go further than... Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and achieve a high level. And also, again, Peter's recently married to Mary Jane in it, so it adds that whole crazy shit. Craven's Last Hunt is absolutely brilliant. And fucking, uh, it has an iconic cover because I don't want to give too many spoilers away if anybody's really interested in going reading it. It's really, really fucking great. Uh, what was his name? The writer is J.M. Dematius. And also the illustrator is Mike Zek, who I've met before in the comic scene before I had Highwayman popping. Good dude and excellent artist. Uh, but the cover that's iconic is where it's Spidey in the black suit digging himself out of the grave. It's really, really fucking awesome. It's really one of the best at this time. Craven's Last Hunt. Check it out if you haven't. I, I want to rant about the whole storyline, but I don't want to spoil too much. I don't want to move on. Because the album I checked out this week was some new shit. A lot of new hip-hop shit has come out recently. You had all those ASAP dudes. You had fucking ASAP 12, ASAP Ferg, and uh, ASAP Mob, and I love all those shits. You had the Sean Price Imperious Rex, which I want to do at some point, but I listened to that whole shit. Also, you had... Um, there's another big one... I don't remember. Also, MF Doom's been putting out records. Uh, but the one I'm going to go with, and I'll get back to Doom, is this Planet Asia and Apollo Brown album, which uh, is another one of these rapper and producer collab albums, which you've been seeing some of these over the past few years. We had, like, the Mad Lib and Freddie Gibbs. We had uh, Planet Asia himself and DJ Muggs. I believe Mayhem Loren has an album with DJ Muggs. Rare Chandeliers, Action Bronson, and Alchemist. Alchemist does this often. Speaking of Planet Asia, Alchemist had an album with Planet Asia and his crew, Durag Dynasty. I strongly and highly recommend that album. But this uh, Planet Asia and Apollo Brown album, Anchovies, um, it's really good. And it's fun. I really think that Apollo Brown's beats complement Planet Asia's bars. Which, Planet Asia is a straight bar spitter lyrical cat. And it's different than what I consider like the metaphor lyrical cats, like the Feral Matches and Eminem's, who I absolutely love. I think those two are the best lyrical rappers of all time. I haven't seen anything since. They're more metaphorical, double entendre, that kind of shit. But then there's the rappers that are, uh, you know, lyrical, but they're more like Black Thought or Common and uh, dudes like that. And I put Planet Asia over there, and I love that kind of shit. It's those, everybody I'm naming right now is in the top 
I'd say five to ten of lyricists of all time. You got to say Koji Rap and Big Pun. It's that other that faster, crazier, multi shit, which is the hardest. But this Planet Asian and Apollo Brown album, Apollo Brown has the collabs with uh, Guilty Simpson, Dice Game, and the one with OC, I believe it's called Trophies. <clears throat> and I think uh, he has a few others, too, with just one. Does he have one with Danny Brown? I know that Black Milk does. And Black Milk has a record with Elizai that I'm going to review eventually because that shit is, whoa, that's, that's one of the best Detroit albums of all time. And, uh, you know, Apollo Brown is... Excellent producer. He uh, has a lot of records all over the place with a lot of different cats, and he has these collab albums. But this one, Anchovies, is really, really good. There's some records with the no drums on it. I'm not one of these guys who hates on that. I honestly kind of like that because it's like uh, the lyrics are focused more, but I know a lot of people who make beats or record or produce, they're not into that shit. I do enjoy it because, again, rap, I just like the rapping shit. I love beats too, but I know cats that are more into beats or producers or whatever, they don't like that, that kind of shit. But some of my favorite records on here is number four, The Aura. Five, Dalai Lama Slang with Willie the Kid. That one's excellent. Seven, Duffel, Duffels. Number seven, Duffels, as well as eight, Avant Garde. Uh, then also 13, Get Back, he's just talking straight shit. 14, um, what was it? Nine, St- Steaming, has Guilty Simpson on it. This album's really fucking good. Out of all that, uh, minutia and everything else that's come out in the last few years, in the last, not few years, few weeks, fucking, like, new shit that's dropping. This is a really diamond in the rough, so check it out. We also got uh, the movie I watched this week was, let's file it in the category of go fuck myself because I slept on it. Because it's the Turbo Kid from, uh, I don't even know, it was Canadian movie. And to start with, when I was watching it, I saw that it was a Canadian movie. Not even that, like the uh, the the studios when they bring it, play that before anything, the studios that made it, and there was a bunch of Canadian ones, and I was like, oh. And then the movie starts before the credits roll, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh my god. It reminded me so much of fucking Hobo with a Shotgun. And then once the credits roll, I'm seeing, and then it says, Executive Producer Jason Eisner, who was one of the directors on Hobo with a Shotgun, which is also a Canadian movie that everyone should check out if you're into this kind of bullshit. But for real, Turbo Kid, I heard about it when it was in the theater's limited release, and I slept on it like a bitch. Like, again, this is kind of like Dead Snow. I really wasn't on point that I should have watched this years ago. When the fuck did this shit come out? Uh, fuck. When the fuck did it come out? It's like 2008. Release date? 2015? What? No, this came out a while ago. I saw the trailer for this years ago. I'm like baffled right now, so I'm not even going to get into that. Post-apocalyptic. I guess it takes place in 1997, but they want to do like the world ended in fucking the 80s so it's really like one of those teen 80 flicks the music's brilliant i think they got a lot of stock music sitting around where it's some of these uh these like uh movies like the nicholas winding reffin movies some of the shit in here sounded like only god forgives or some shit like that but it's definitely reminiscent of something like mad max it's post-apocalyptic michael ironside is uh one of the main actors in this everybody else i'm not familiar with but he's of course the main villain There's a lot of great fucking kills in this shit. You know what I'm saying? It's really fun. It's one of those shits that's like that 
insane, fun, psychotic. There's a lot of gore. It's highly influenced by, again, Peter Jackson, uh, Sam Raimi's early shit, the Evil Dead movies, Trauma, Full Moon, Empire, all the shit. There's like one henchman of Michael Ironside that's crazy and it has this like metal skullhead face. And was, skullhead face was one of the fucking Guar characters, but you know, that was one other thing. There's great action, great violence. There's some little like super joking tongue in cheek. Like that was my only criticism. It was they went almost a little too far with it. But still, the whole shit as a whole in a movie and a B movie, it's like it's really fire. I can't. I'm an, I'm a bitch. I like. I should have watched this so long ago. It's so right there with all the other shits. Excellent film, Turbo Kid, Planet Asia, and Apollo Brown anchovies. It just dropped a couple weeks ago. Marvel Essential, Craven's Last Hunt. That dropped thirty years ago. But I'm out, yo. Peace.